My name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to The Bible in a Year, The Story Podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is Day 79, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, Numbers 33, Deuteronomy 32, and Psalm 118. Numbers 33. Here are the stages in the journey of the Israelites when they came out of Egypt by divisions under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. At the Lord's command, Moses recorded the stages in their journey. This is their journey by stages. The Israelites set out from Ramses on the 15th day of the first month and the day after the Passover. They marched out defiantly in full view of all the Egyptians who were burying all their firstborn, whom the Lord had struck down among them, for the Lord had brought judgment on their gods. The Israelites left Ramses and camped at Succoth. They left Succoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. They left Etham, turned back to Pi-Haharoth, to the east of Baal-Zephon, and camped near Migdal. They left Pi-Haharoth and passed through the sea into the desert. And when they had traveled for three days in the desert of Etham, they camped at Marah. They left Marah and went to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there. They left Elam and camped by the Red Sea. They left the Red Sea and camped in the desert of Sin. They left the desert of Sin and camped at Dovkah. They left Dovkah and camped at Elush. They left Elush and camped at Rephdim, where there was no water for the people to drink. They left Rephdim and camped in the desert of Sinai. They left the desert of Sinai and camped at Kibroth Hatava. They left Kibroth Hatava and camped at Hazaroth. They left Hazaroth and camped at Ripmah. They left Ripmah and camped at Ramon Perez. They left Ramon Perez and camped at Libna. They left Libna and camped at Risa. And they left Risa and camped at Kahalatha. They left Kahalatha and camped at Mount Shefer. They left Mount Shefer and camped at Herida. They left Herida and camped at Mechaloth. They left Mechaloth and camped at Tahath. They left Tahath and camped at Terah. They left Terah and camped at Mithkah. They left Mithkah and camped at Hashmanah. They left Hashmanah and camped at Maseroth. They left Maseroth and camped at Bene Jakan. They left Bene Jakan and camped at Hor Hagadagad. They left Hor Hagadagad and camped at Japnatha. They left Japnatha and camped at Abnara. They left Abnara and camped at Ezion Geber. They left Ezion Geber and camped at Kadesh in the desert of Zin. They left Kadesh and camped at Mount Har on the border of Edom. At the Lord's command, Aaron the priest went up Mount Har where he died on the first day of the fifth month of the 40th year after the Israelites came out of Egypt. Aaron was 123 years old when he died on Mount Har. The Canaanite king of Arad, who lived in the Negev of Canaan, heard that the Israelites were coming. They left Mount Hor and camped at Zalmanah. They left Zalmanah and camped at Punan. They left Punan and camped at Oboth. They left Oboth and camped at Ai-Abiram on the border of Moab. They left Lai-Abiram and camped at Dibon-Gad. They left Dibon-Gad and camped at Alman-Dibalatham. 
They left Alman de Belatham and camped in the mountains of Abiram near Nabo. They left the mountains of Abiram and camped on the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. There, on the plains of Moab, they camped along the Jordan from Beth Jeshemoth to Abel Shittim. On the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho, the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you cross the Jordan into Canaan, drive out all the inhabitants of the land before you. Destroy all their carved images and their cast idols and demolish all their high places. Take possession of the land and settle in it, for I have given you the land to possess. Distribute the land by lot according to your clans. To a larger group, give a larger inheritance, and to a smaller group, a smaller one. Whatever falls to them by lot will be theirs, distributed according to their ancestral tribes. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, those you allow to remain will become barbs in your eyes and thorns in your sides. They will give you trouble in the land where you will live, and they will do to you what I plan to do to them. Deuteronomy 32 Listen. You heavens, and I will speak. Hear, you earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teachings fall like rain, and my words descend like dew, like showers on new grass, like abundant rain on tender plants. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock. His works are perfect, and all his ways are just, a faithful God who does no wrong. Upright and just is he. They are corrupt and not his children. To their shame they are warped and crooked generation. Is this the way you repay the Lord, you foolish and unwise people? Is he not your father, your creator, who made you and formed you? Remember the days of old. Consider the generations long past. Ask your father and he will tell you, your elders and they will explain to you. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he divided all mankind, he set up boundaries for the peoples according to the number of the sons of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted inheritance. In a desert land he found him, in a barren and howling waste. He shielded him and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple of his eye, like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them aloft. The Lord alone led him. No foreign gods was with him. He made him ride on the heights of the land and fed him with the fruit of the fields. He nourished him with honey from the rock and with oil from the flinty crag, with curds and milk from herd and flock, and with fattened lambs and goats, with choice rams of Bashan and the finest kerns of wheat. You drank the foaming blood of the grape. Jeshuron grew fat and kicked. Filled with food, they became heavy and sleek. They abandoned the God who made them and rejected the rock their savior. They made him jealous with their foreign gods and angered him with their detestable idols. They sacrificed to false gods, which are not God, gods they had not known, gods that recently appeared, gods your ancestor did not fear. You deserted the rock who fathered you. You forgot the God who gave you birth. The Lord saw this and rejected them because he was angered by his sons and daughters. I will hide my face from them, he said, and see what their end will be. For they are a perverse generation, children who are unfaithful. They made me jealous by what is no God and angered me with their worthless idols. I will make them envious by those who are not a people. I will make them angry by a nation that has no understanding. For a fire will be kindled by my wrath, one that burns down to the realm of the dead below. It will devour the earth in its harvest and set afire the foundations of the mountains. I will heap calamities on them and spend my arrows against them. 
I will send wasting famine against them, consuming pestilence and deadly plague. I will send against them the fangs of wild beasts, the venom of vipers that glide in the dust. In the street of the sword will make them childless. In their homes, terror will reign. The young men and young women will perish, the infants and those with gray hair. I said I would scatter them and erase their names from human memory. But I dreaded the taunt of the enemy, lest the adversary misunderstand and say, Our hand has triumphed. The Lord has not done all this. They are a nation without sense. There is no discernment in them. If only they were wise and would understand this and discern what their end will be. How could one man chase a thousand or two put ten thousand to flight unless their rock had sold them, unless the Lord had given them up? For their rock is not like our rock, as even our enemies concede. Their vine comes from the vine of Sodom and from the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are filled with poison and their clusters with bitterness. Their wine is the venom of serpents, the deadly poison of cobras. Have I not kept this in reserve and sealed it in my vaults? It is mine to avenge. I will repay. In due time, their foot will slip. Their day of disaster is near and their doom rushes upon them. The Lord will vindicate his people and relent concerning his servants when he sees their strength is gone and no one is left, slave or free. He will say, Now, where are their gods, the rock they took refuge in, the gods who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offering? Let them rise up to help you. Let them give you shelter. See now that I myself am he. There is no God besides me. I put to death and I bring to life. I have wounded and I have healed, and no one can deliver out of my hand. I lift my hand to heaven and solemnly swear, as I surely as I live forever. When I sharpen my flashing sword and my hand grasps in it judgment, I will take vengeance on my adversaries and repay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood while my sword devours flesh, the blood of the slain and the captives, the head of the enemy leaders." Rejoice, you nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants. He will take vengeance on his enemies and make atonement for his land and people. Moses came with Joshua, son of Nun, and spoke all the words of this song in the hearing of the people. When Moses finished reciting all these words to all Israel, he said to them, Take to heart all the words I have solemnly declared to you this day, so that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of this law. They are not just idle words for you. They are your life. By them you will live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. On the same day the Lord told Moses, Go up into Abram range to Mount Nebo in Moab across from Jericho and view Canaan, the land I am giving the Israelites as their own possession. There, on the mountain that you have climbed, you will die and be gathered to your people, just as your brother Aaron died on Mount Hor and was gathered to his people. This is because both of you broke faith with me in the presence of the Israelites at the water of Meribah Kadesh in the desert of Zin, and because you did not uphold my holiness among the Israelites. Therefore, you will see the land only from a distance. You will not enter the land I am giving to the people of Israel. Psalm 118 Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. When hard pressed, I cry to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. 
It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than trust in princes. All the nations surround me, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They surround me on every side, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They swarm around me like bees, but they were consumed as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them down. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die but live, and I will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gates of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks for your answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. This story in Numbers 33 is mostly about the Lord commanding Moses to make a record of the places where the Israelites have stopped and camped before arriving at the plains of Moab. Then there's this brief instruction on the conquest of the land and the importance of getting rid of all of the existing idols and things that are there. And then in Deuteronomy 32, it's this song of Moses giving the people of Israel, it's the story in the story of the Bible. It's the entire arc narrative, which we've been reading on repeat in the Torah in different situations. I told this to my producer of the podcast, Alan Darling, the other day, reading the entire Old Testament is giving me this tension, this certainty that something has has to change, something big and only God-like can change this narrative that's on repeat of disobedience and rebellion and the need for God to intercede and rescue and protect them against adversaries, even sometimes themselves that have become adversaries. The need for Jesus is and will continue to mount as we continue to read through the Old Testament. We have and will continue to read, even beyond the Torah, a number of different ways that mankind tries to create their own rules, their own way of making, and in quotes, a good life. And at the heart of it, people tend to give up God as the first and center of it all. Why? Well, I imagine it's similar to other situations in the sense that certainty, or at least the pursuit of it and feel of it, is seemingly more comfortable and enticing to try to see and take what we are sure of as opposed to live the purpose God gave us and trust in God for the promise of it all, the blessing to be our inheritance, to live in blessing for the purpose of being a blessing to others with a heart of gratitude when our vision can only see and take what we do not have in the problem, I think. I saw this brief interview by Taya, a worship leader for Hillsong, and she describes in light of the New Testament that our choice now is still about offerings and sacrifice. But we are the offering and our lives are the gift we have to give to God. 
She points to Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 in the message version of the Bible, which reads, So here's what I want you to do. God helping you, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, recognizing what He wants from us and quickly responding to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, developing well-formed maturity in you. She points out how it's a reminder that our lives are a response to God because He loved us first. So the verse paraphrased by authors of Romans, which is Paul, reads like this. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you, like in response to His mercy, take our everyday ordinary lives and place them before God as an offering, embracing what God does for us and the best things is the best thing that we can do for Him. Live a life of worship in response to God. So this doesn't mean like just cut down or try to cut away all of the forms of culture around us, but it's to fix our eyes on Him, recognizing the parts that are in conflict and making those restorations and redemptions because He's first over it all. And like I mentioned yesterday in Deuteronomy 32 verse 36, which really sticks out to me, God will wait for the people's power to run out. It makes me think back to Genesis 1, 26 and 27, where God gave us a portion of his power and authority, but he is the source and giver. And here, when humans make the choice to take their representative power and authority and run away to do their own thing, albeit pleasure or the pursuit of happiness, certainty, comfort, rightness, it will run out and the power is limited. And then in verse 43, the song ends where it started where the all-powerful God, the source of life, is called upon, and He will rescue, He will restore, and He will redeem. Incredibly, because it is clear, as it always has been, we do not earn it or deserve it. It's His grace, His blessing. He loved us first, and He loves us still. And we're asked to respond to this mercy and to respond wholeheartedly. Deuteronomy 33 ends with what Dr. Miller describes as the powerful reminder of the sinful frailty of even the best in humanity, Moses. In this chapter, God calls Moses to the mountain. Before Moses goes, he gives his last words. Dr. Miller points to how explicit his words are to the tribe of Levi about safeguarding the covenant, teaching God's word, and helping the community navigate to atonement through the sacrificial system. Moses gives a blessing to all of the tribes too, particularly Joseph's descendant tribes, specifically Ephraim, taking on all enemies. Dr. Miller points out how the tribe of Judah is barely mentioned, which is interesting because we know this is the descendant tribe that leads to Jesus. Judah means praise, and may the Lord hear praise may be from and for all the tribes to hear the, the cry of praise. Here, Moses seems to focus on the brotherhood of the tribes and how they offer each other both individual talents, but also together protection and strength. Then Moses points back to the uniqueness of God, proclaiming and reminding of God's kindness and rescue, which can lead to the people's unprecedented contentment as they live into their God-given purpose in their God-given place and role where He is present and dwelling. God offers a shield and a sword of protection against the adversary. 
This we need to take a hold of and remember our lives are our offering of sacrifice of praise and acts of worship. My prayer is that we respond to God's gift of grace and love, his blessing to us with praise and an outpouring of his blessing, his gifts to others, and at the same time in our right hand, be vigilant to safeguard and protect ourselves from the adversary, the Leviathan that is crouching at the door, ready to consume. But as it says in Genesis 4, verse 14, we can master it before it masters us with and only with Yahweh God. Focus on purpose, not outcome. There and that is God's realm, and we know what he promises. The more I have found that I focus on the purpose, the less I worry about the outcome and trust God for his will and ways, resting in the promise that I am his treasured possession. He is my inheritance, and this is a story in a kingdom with no end. There are more chapters, and God promises to deliver and put his name in the place he will dwell, which is where I want to go and be. We're swept into his mission, and I think of it like an apprentice. God is rescuing, healing, restoring, and redeeming parts of me every day, and I lean into the wholehearted, active listening and responding with me as my offering, my sacrifice of worship. Like Moses said here, may we offer each other our talents, strength in this mission through prayer and practice. Pray for me, I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.